If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 506. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. You can find all those social media accounts at my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to McClanahan Academy, which you've already heard about. You can go to brianmcclanahan.com, click on that support tab. You can throw a few pennies my way. You can buy a book plate if you want my autograph of one of my books. Purchase one of my books. My latest is The Jeffersonian Tradition. It's an awesome book. Tom DiLorenzo graciously reviewed it for Lou Rockwell a couple of weeks ago. So get on out there and get that book. Also, you can get Southern Scribblings or many of my other books. Somebody just... Uh, uh, reference my nine presidents who screwed up America, and Joe Biden certainly would be in that list if we're talking about this now. The man has openly said he supports uh, unconstitutional edicts from the CDC, and I mean this is a this is an impeachable offense, folks. So uh, Joe Biden certainly is in that list, but there's a whole lot of other presidents who could fit the bill too, and there's gr- other great books also. Of course, you can share this podcast around on social media, rate it wherever you get your podcast. That's one of the best ways to support the show. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. And also, get your Brian McClanahan Show gear. Click on that shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Send me your show requests. There's lots of ways to support the show, and I do appreciate every single time you share this podcast around, you let people know you're thinking about it, you send me those requests. It means that we're, we've got a conversation going here. And we've got a great week at the uh, Brian McClanahan Show this week. We've got uh, an article that we're going to go over, cover on localism and food, which I think is hilarious. It's this uh, lefty who's uh, concerned about the uh, the problems of localism and what that's doing, well, all these right-wingers getting involved in it. And then we'll have an article this week on air conditioning, which I think is hilarious. Uh, we're also going to get in the weeds on Calhoun and um, I have to do this. It's kind of like a principles episode. You know, we got to do this about once a week because somebody sent me a an audio file from the Hillsdale podcast from July, which is so laughable. And I mean, I have to get into this. I'll probably do it on Tuesday of this week, uh, but I have to do this thing. It's so funny. It's so bad that I have to cover it. And then uh, we've got today. We're going to talk about a big Supreme Court ruling that came out September 1st, and it has to do with a Texas law on abortion. So I'm, I'm going to start with that this week, and we're going to look at it in a way historical, a historical context, and also dealing with the Constitution. We're going we're gonna to strip the moral and ethical side of it out of this. Because in reality, if, if we want to talk about that, then we could, we could look at the Texas law in detail, and we could decide, you know, is this a good law, a bad law? The states are going to have to come up with that, with that parameters, or those parameters, when they start talking about these type of bills. I want to look at this from the top down and more or less 
in relation to the Constitution. Now, Clarence Thomas has said for years that he thought Roe v. Wade was a bad decision by the Supreme Court. In other words, he's saying that decision itself was not a proper understanding of the Constitution. And so let's put all this in historical context. We're going to go back to 1857 and 1858. And I mentioned on Twitter uh, last week when this ruling came out, and I said, well, look, if the Supreme Court somehow overturns Roe v. Wade, then maybe the North, the left, I should say just the left, will want to secede from the Union. And I did it kind of tongue-in-cheek. I know they're not going to do that. But there is precedent for this. And I'll, and I'll explain. 1857, the Supreme Court rules in Dred Scott v. Sanford that all restrictions on slavery are unconstitutional in the Western territories. And by default, all the personal liberty laws were unconstitutional, and any law that would deny slave owners the ability to hold their property in another state were unconstitutional. So essentially what they did is say, okay... Yes, states can make slavery illegal in their states, but if a Southerner or anybody, I mean, New Jersey still had slavery, so if somebody from New Jersey brings their slaves into New York uh, or Pennsylvania, those people are still slaves. So this was, I mean, the, the, the North and the abolitionist group, the anti-slavery groups, went bananas over this. They lost their minds over this Supreme Court ruling. This is why uh, Dan Fisher, who was a ran for governor of Oklahoma, um, he calls himself a modern abolitionist because what he's saying is this: he, he's drawing a comparison between the two issues in a human rights way, but also in a legal way. And I'm going to explain how he does that. Um, it's rather interesting. But okay, so so the the anti-slavery people, the abolitionists, of the North, they lose their mind over the Southerners. Say, all right, look. The issue has now been dealt with by the Supreme Court. You have said for years, Northerners, nationalists, that we need to let the Supreme Court decide these things. We had Marbury v. Madison in 1803. This is the first time since 1803 that the Supreme Court has declared any law unconstitutional, any federal law unconstitutional. They've upheld federal law, but it's the first time since 1803 that they said any federal laws are unconstitutional. And they do it, I mean, as a hammer at this point. And we know that James Buchanan was perhaps involved in this. In fact, the decision is made and, and issued, I think, the day after or two days after Buchanan's inauguration. I mean, this is this is right when this happens, right? So we've got Buchanan now in office, Supreme Court rules, Dred Scott v. Sanford, and Buchanan knew it was coming. He alluded to it in his inaugural address, and he thought, this is going to end it right here. This is going to end the issue once the Supreme Court decides. I mean, again, the North for years has said, the nationalists have said, well, let's let the Supreme Court decide things. And if that happens, then we just got to let it go. I mean, this is what this is what the nationalists kept telling people in Virginia. They kept telling this to people who are opposed to the Bank of the United States. Hey, Supreme Court said it's constitutional. You got no ground to stand on here. You can't say the bank is unconstitutional. Supreme Court said it's constitutional. We got to abide by the Supreme Court's decision. It's constitutional. So now the Supreme Court is, okay, if we're going to go that path, well, then the Supreme Court has said that any restrictions on slavery are illegal. You can't, you can't have popular sovereignty. That's illegal. You can't have the Missouri Compromise because you're denying people 
bringing their slave property into the ter- common property of the United States. That's illegal. The Congress can't do that. Now, of course, this is using a, a procedure known as substantive due process, uh, or at least an, uh, a, not a procedure, but a position on due process called substantive due process, meaning that the Congress can't pass a law that would potentially infringe on a liberty that's contained in the Bill of Rights. It's not procedural due process. And what they're looking at, of course, is the Fifth Amendment. Procedural due process would mean, did the courts follow all the proper procedures in denying someone their property? If they did all of that, if there was a, there was a legislative process here, there was a legal process in place, if all that was followed, then you can deny someone their property, their life as well, their liberty, all those things. I mean, we do this all the time. Someone is arrested they are their property is forfeit whatever happens in the arrest they go through all the process in the courts they might be executed they could be put in prison for life that's denying them their liberty so their life could be infringed their property could be taken seized right you you uh you you get a uh, for example i mean with with modern drug laws you have a guy that's arrested for uh, being a kingpin right i mean he's got all this money all these things well when he's arrested his liberty is denied and they can confiscate all of his property. So as long as the due process was followed, they can do all of that stuff. What Dred Scott said is that you can't even pass a law that might do that because that's violating the Fifth Amendment. This is, this is substantive due process, not procedural due process. So it's a different way of looking at due process, and it really is alien to the understanding of the Fifth Amendment. But the Supreme Court has now decided. So the Supreme Court's decided... You can't go back on it. Once the Supreme Court has decided this, I mean, you can't go back on it. This is this is what Southerners are saying. I mean, you've said this position for years. Now you're saying, we don't agree with that decision. We want to get rid of that decision. We want to pack the court. Or they didn't say that at the time. But we want to do something else to try to ensure that that decision is overturned. And we're going to keep... I mean, Stephen Douglas runs around in 1860, uh, and actually 1858, with the Freeport Doctrine, right? This is during the Lincoln-Douglas debates. He says, "I don't care what the Supreme Court has said. We're still gonna we're still gonna push for popular sovereignty in the Congress." 1860 still has the same position. Southerners say, "We're not voting for that guy. He's going against what the Supreme Court has decided." So we all know how this worked out. Southerners actually cited Northern resistance to a Supreme Court decision as one of the reasons why they wanted to leave the Union because. They followed everything the North wanted, right? I mean, every, we, we went through the entire process, and yet still, you are going to be obstinate. So you know what? Why are we going to be in this union with you to begin with? That was one of the arguments. In fact, you know, the lefties pointed, well, Southerners weren't really interested in states' rights because they opposed personal liberty laws, and they opposed, uh, they, they were saying that, you know, nationalist arguments, the Supreme Court... That's because they're using the same arguments against the North that they had used against them for years. So they're saying, look, we, we agree. All right, we're we're going we're gonna to get on board with what you say about the Constitution, and we're going to run with it, right? So here it is. Now you're going back on that. So why should we be in a union? How can we trust you if there's no common ground? If we do what you say, and then you say that's wrong, well, then how can we trust you to do anything? So fast forward. We know that the left doesn't... I mean, they don't really like Supreme Court decisions that they don't like, and they will work overtime to try to get rid of them. But if it's one they do like, well, that becomes enshrined. You can't go against that. So, again, 
1896, Supreme Court rules in Plessy v. Ferguson that segregation is legal. The states can segregate. 1954, Brown v. Board of Education, that, that's not true. So one was, I mean, they worked overtime to try to get rid of the one, but they've enshrined the other. Well, which one is it, right? I mean, which Supreme Court are we going to listen to? This is the problem with the Supreme Court. We know 1973, we get Roe v. Wade. Now, Clarence Thomas has said, I think that's the wrong decision to make. And according to an original understanding of the Constitution, it is, right? Roe v. Wade is a uh, dramatic and incorrect understanding of federalism. If Roe v. Wade wasn't there, states could still do what they wanted with their own laws in regard to this particular issue. California could have whatever laws it wanted. Alabama could have whatever laws it wanted. Uh, you know, Maine could have whatever laws it wanted. And that's the way that federalism is designed on this particular issue as well, because there's no power in the, in the Constitution granted to the general government to have any type of legislation on this particular issue. So, in fact, Roe v. Wade is an incorrect understanding of federalism. So what this has done, though, is nationalize a moral and ethical issue. Everything now becomes national. And this is why the, uh, the Republican Party for years has talked about an, uh, you know, an amendment to the Constitution that would ban abortions. Um, the, and the left has, has enshrined this. So when I, when I said, well, maybe if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, the left will want to leave the Union because this is exactly what the South did when... Uh, when the, when the Supreme Court ruled, and of course, uh, there was opposition to it. Okay, But in this case, what would happen is the Supreme Court would issue a decision overturning Roe v. Wade, and so then the left is going to go bananas. I mean, look, they're going to go absolutely nuts. if this. I mean, look at the reaction to this particular situation now with a 5-4 to four decision, John Roberts siding with the three leftist judges on the bench, but a five to four decision up, I mean, just basically saying, yeah, Texas law can stay in effect. According to a original understanding, that's exactly the way it should work. Texas can do what it wants on this issue. Again, we can talk about how the law works and whether it's a good law or a bad law if you want to do that. But the fact is, from a federal top-down position, this is no, there, there's no federal purview for this whatsoever. And we can go all the way back. This is why I did the Originalist Papers class at McClanahan Academy. We can go all the way back to some of the first arguments made in favor of the Constitution. And I always point to uh, Tench Cox, whose Freeman essays are so good. Right now, you're getting this. Um, you're getting this on Monday the 6th. This is the last day you've got these deep discounts on McClanahan Academy's Originalist Papers. If you're on my email list, you're going to get the coupons today. In fact, you're going to get a bunch of them. You'll probably get maybe two or three emails today about this because it's, it's the Labor Day sale. This is over. This is it. And uh, these courses are never going to be offered for this price again. So my Originalist Papers courses get into these arguments in favor of the Constitution. If you go back to those Tench Cox essays, which you find, uh, I believe, in, in Part 1 of, of the series— you'll see that Tench Cox is saying, okay, wait a second here. These are the things that the federal government can do, and these are the things the federal government can't do. So 
in that things that the, or that the states can do and the federal government can't do. And in that list, he talks about police powers and jails and, and seminaries and all these things that we think somehow in 2021, the federal government has control over these things. They don't. They don't have control over any of that. Right? That's the dirty little secret about all of this. This is actually Clarence Thomas, when he argues that the Supreme Court made the wrong choice in 1973, it's not a moral argument. It's not an ethical argument. He, I mean, you could be <clears throat> someone who's in favor of, of uh, these, these procedures and still be against federal intervention in it. I mean, it's probably not going to find that person, but you can still do that if you were a, if you were a real originalist if you really believed in federalism, because you could live in California and have access to all these things you want. But of course, people in other states who have different views on these things, moral and ethical views, could do something else. That's, that is the nature of federalism, and it's how it's supposed to work. right? But Thomas is just saying the correct thing. Roe v. Wade was a bad decision by the Supreme Court because it doesn't follow original intent. That's the whole point. He's making. It's what should be made. So if the Supreme Court decides to overturn Roe v. Wade, they're actually doing the right thing. Now, this brings us to another point. Elizabeth Warren, right after the, the Supreme Court, it was leaked that they were going to do this, and of course the decision came out. It was originally thought it was going to be 6-3, but it turned out being 5-4. Elizabeth Warren gets on social media and says, oh, we can solve this issue. You know how? We'll just have Congress pass a law making uh, making these kind of state laws illegal, right? We're going to have Congress pass a law basically enshrining through legislation Roe v. Wade because her point is, okay, Roe v. Wade is just a Supreme Court decision. There's no legislative teeth in it at all. It's simply just the Supreme Court saying the states can't do anything. So it's just like uh, you know Brown v. Board of Education in 1954. There was no real teeth in that. It took legislation, and you get that with uh, in the 1960s when you get the civil rights legislation. That's where the Congress stepped in and say, okay, said, okay, here's the Supreme Court decision. Now what we're going to do is pass legislation to this effect, saying Congress shall have power too. So what Elizabeth Warren is doing essentially is saying, okay, we've got this decision from 1973. We've never acted on it legislatively. So what we need to do is go out and pass legislation that would act on Roe v. Wade. Congress shall have power too, right? Pass appropriate legislation to this effect, right? So the, the, the idea is that we'll get Congress involved and that will strike down all these rascally red states that are out there trying to pass all this legislation that would uh, curtail uh, Roe v. Wade, right? That would undermine Roe v. Wade. So this is the whole point. We're going to get Congress involved because, see, then what has to happen is you have to have a direct challenge to it from the states. They're going to have to go in and challenge Roe v. Wade directly. It'll have to be, you could call it the Roe v. Wade bill. I mean, she might do that. I have no idea. But you would have to challenge it directly. See, what's happening now is all these little bills are being passed by the states, and then people are challenging those bills in the states, and those, because of appeal from state courts to federal court, those particular bills are being heard in federal court. Now, 
That's a whole other legacy from the Marshall Court. That's Cohen's v. Virginia. Uh, I mean, that's that's all. If you take my American's Constitu- American Constitutions class, I get into that too. That's another monster, right? And this comes out of the Judiciary Act of 1789. It's why I say the Constitution died in 1789 when you had the ability to appeal decisions from state courts to federal court, even if it was a state situation. You could appeal it to federal court. Well, that creates a whole... Basically, what that does is that subordinates your, your state courts to your federal court. It makes the state courts almost irrelevant. Everything should just then be in federal court. Well, that was promised that wouldn't happen during the ratification process. So um, now what Warren is doing, though, is making it, if that actually happens, and we could see something like that in the House of Representatives as currently composed, uh, with the Democrats substantially in control, uh, the Senate now being split. The Democrats, of course, are going to panic because I really do think in twenty in the 2022 elections, which aren't that far off now, we're already starting to see people campaign for it. If Biden's numbers continue to plummet, and I think they're going to, the Democrats are really in trouble in 2022. And I think, you know, Warnock, who is the Senator from Georgia, that uh, you know, temporary seat essentially a couple of years. I think Warnock's going to be ousted. I don't think he's going to win again. And so, without question, I think the Democrats are going to lose control of the Senate. It's going to happen. So what they're trying to do now is ram every. This is why they want to pass through the three and a half trillion dollar spending bill. It's what they want to get done. I don't know if they'll retain the House or not. Of course, they're going to have Biden there, um, who will. I mean. They're, Tell me what to do, and I'll, I'll veto it. Tell me what to do, and I'll do this. He's going to do whatever they tell him to do. But the fact is, you're going to have no Democrat legislation. If this happens, coming through the Senate or the House, they want to get it all done now because they've got control of the government, and if they miss this opportunity, you're not going to see any of this stuff. And so you'll just have people running around complaining all the time. So I wouldn't be surprised if somehow the Democrats get this through would there be a pro-life uh, Democrat in the Senate to block it? I don't know. Uh, would they use a reconciliation process? It'll probably get filibustered. I mean, I don't think it's going to get through, but Warren certainly is making the case, well, this is what we need to do. We need to have legislation of this effect. And that is the other side of this. Now, if that happened, then you would have, a, an, a, then you would have someone sue that this, that this bill is unconstitutional, and it would have to go to the Supreme Court then, and they would have to make a decision on it. Can the, Supreme, can, the, can the Congress pass a bill like this? Well, clearly, it's a violation of the original Constitution. There's no powers in the general government for this at all. At all. This, from a strictly legal constitutional standpoint, understanding originalism, it's not there. There's no power for the general government to do this. And I think that's the real point to be made in all of this. In all of this. The the Roe v. Wade decision, Clarence Thomas is 100% right, is a bad decision, not because of of, uh, natural rights or life, you know, these kind of right to life, these kind of things, which of course are very strong arguments. The problem is that it's unconstitutional because or it's a bad decision because there's no power in the general government to have control over these things. The states can do anything they want in this regard. They can have very lenient laws. They can have very strict laws because that is under the purview of the states, and this is how everyone understood things when the Constitution was ratified. The legal argument also 
needs to be made here. Uh, and, and put the Democrats in a position to say, we don't care about the Constitution. Make them, I mean, they don't. We know they don't. But make them say it. Make them say it. Now, of course, they're going to use a Fourth Amendment argument. They'll try to come up with some stupid convoluted way. Well, you know, uh, we've got this Fourth Amendment right to privacy. They're going to do all these kind of things to say that you know any kind of law would then uh, would then infringe on someone's uh, Bill of Rights. Their their rights and contained enshrined in the Bill of Rights. Well, this is again a bad argument because that's not what that actually meant when the amendment was ratified. But regardless. This is where we are today. The Supreme Court did the right thing in letting the Texas bill stand. They would do the right thing if they overturned Roe v. Wade because Roe v. Wade is an incorrect decision. Without question, it's an incorrect decision. So that would be the thing uh, if you are looking. And states can decide how they want to sort all this out. If you want to live in a state where it's pretty restrictive, then you move to that state. You don't want to live in that state, you go to live in another state. I mean, this is where states could figure this out. And then we could have the real argument in the states as to you know what we should do with this. Now, I know the, the really ardent pro-life people want to have a national conversation on this. It has to be a national policy. That would take a constitutional amendment. There's no doubt about it. You can't do it with congressional legislation. And if you go down that path, be very sure, because on the other side, the flip side of that, where the left can do the exact same thing. So this is why you need to understand federalism is the way forward. It's the most peaceful solution to all of these nasty problems we have. It creates a peaceful environment because people get to pick and choose which area they want to live in. And uh, that's thinking locally and acting locally. All right. So that's my thoughts on this Supreme Court decision, this 5-4 decision to let the Texas law stand. We'll see what happens. Uh, Maybe again, if the the, uh, Supreme Court overturns, maybe there'll be a massive leftist secession movement. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, that's an odd endorsement of the Supreme Court just doing that. So we can have these lefties talking about getting out of the union. Yeah, let's get California out of the union. Let's vote Washington, Oregon, California, Massachusetts, Maine. Let's vote them out of the union. Get them out. And then let's have real America have real America back. And we'll let all the, all the lefties get out of here. And um, it will have a, a much more peaceful central authority. Uh, wouldn't that be great? I mean, it'd be fantastic. All right. I'll see you next time with the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.